0: Welcome once again to Devotional, this is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 5 for April 27th through May 3rd. And the title of this lesson is Wise Words for Families. Yes, that's the title, Wise Words for Families, but I put AKA. There's a a lot in this lesson. There's a lot that um, I'm happy that we're going to be talking about because it's extremely useful. The lesson this week, and I hope you'll spend time studying it, uh, focuses on how to prevent adultery. The the reasons and the methods as to how you can avoid that hot potato. Uh, Biblical standards for fathers, a very specific uh, day. Uh, How to disciple with love. I really was enriched by that lesson, encouraged. Uh, Laughter at home. I was not expecting to find a a whole day focusing on the use of humor and laughter as a means of having a a marriage, making a marriage work, but it makes total sense. Uh, Affirmation of women, wives, mothers, uh, how important that is. And of course, uh, we're going to close by looking at the the best investment you can make of your time. So we're going to look at some uh, aspects from the, the scriptures. And if you're new to devotional, Uh, You may not know that in the description of our podcast, I put a lot of links, videos uh, of mission stories that our church produces, which are awesome, very inspirational. Uh, There's also Bible Bible reading apps, Bible reading plans that you can join, and a whole bunch of other resources, all of them free of charge, including a a link to the podcast uh, that our church produces of the actual Sabbath school quarterly, the text, Word for Word, Unabridged, and the texts are read for you as well. And the other day, I just let the app play. I usually change it to something else. The mission stories are <laughs> also included. I was amazed. I was in my, my car going, praise the Lord. We are so blessed. Thank you to the leadership of our church for putting this together. So anyways, if, you, if you're too busy to actually sit down and study it, read it, now you can actually listen to it over and over, which is what I've done for the past several months um, in preparation for this podcast. So I'm going to make two statements as we begin this uh, episode of devotional getting married is easy getting married is relatively easy you know that's people that go to vegas they they just do this (laughs) it's very easy getting married staying married that's that's a different you know game altogether that's a different statement this statement staying married it requires self-sacrificing effort and the goal is not to simply stay together Many couples, you know, brent it out so that we will not separate for the sake of the kids or what will people say, etc. Those may be noble (laughs) to some extent reasons, but they are not enduring. They they wear out. And of course, they do not produce the kind of environment that God wants for us in our marriages. And so, though you may be struggling and, you know, it's good, it's commendable that you want to keep your marriage together, but this lesson actually encourages us to look at how God, what God can and desires to do in our marriage. God is not in heaven watching passively as we struggle down here trying to make our marriages work, trying to make our families function. He's not in heaven saying, man, I hope they really make it. They're almost there. <laughs> I hope he apologizes. God is not passively from heaven looking down on us as we are wrestling in trying to make our marriages work. I'm going to read a passage from you from Matthew chapter 19, verse three, verses 3-6 three to six that say the following. The Pharisees also came to Jesus, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? What a question from church leaders, right? And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become what flesh. So here it is. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's a, an extremely encouraging promise right there. What God has joined together. And that's not just on the day on, of the wedding. That's just not, guys. not just referring to the wedding day. God is referring to the entire experience and his commitment to sustain what he has joined together. Our part is to cooperate with him because there's an element of choice there. Let not man separate. What God has joined, you have a choice. Let not your choices lead to a separation, a, a distancing from your spouse. God is committed and seeking to join and keep together your marriage. That is an encouraging truth that we get from this passage. God has joined and he is working daily to keep you guys joined. He's not looking from heaven saying, go on, go on, you can do this. No, he is right here with us um, working intensely to keep what he has joined together. It is our choice to let, to choose, to cooperate with him so that what he is seeking to do can become a reality. We are the ones that, because of our sinful nature, there are things that we do that cause separation. What Jesus says, let not men separate. Um, we're going to be focusing on some of those things in this lesson that separate, that cause separation. But I want us to begin this lesson with that in mind. With this, first and foremost, God is on your side, God is on the side of your marriage. God wants your marriage to succeed. That is an anchor point from the scriptures that Jesus himself stated. What God has joined together. God has not forgotten your wedding day. He keeps it first and foremost in his mind every day because he is the one that joined you and today he is working to keep you together. So we're gonna be looking at a couple of days together. I don't like just focusing on one day because the lesson is, is interconnected. One day complements with the other. So we're gonna combine the lesson, what the lesson focuses on, on Sundays, on Sunday, on Wednesday, and on Thursday. Um, we're gonna be asked a very difficult question, very sensitive. What causes individuals to choose to enter into extramarital affairs, to commit adultery, to cross that boundary? At the root of it, I, I, as I chewed on this, as I looked at the scriptures, the lesson points to, I came to at least three major things that can cause me, compel me, motivate me to cross boundaries that will lead me to into adultery. And those three things that I, I concluded were self-deception, decep- self forgetfulness, and a wrong placement of priorities. Um, when, when Jesus spoke to this, these religious leaders, remember the question, uh, can we use Mary? Can, you, can we divorce uh, for just any reason? <laughs> and Jesus's response addresses, I believe, all of these things. You are self-deceived, you have forgotten, and your priorities are completely out of whack. Um, later on, they, they actually use scripture to argue with Jesus because they get Jesus's point. No, you cannot just divorce your wife for any reason. So they they counter with, but Moses allowed us to get divorced, and Jesus' response is powerful. He says, because of the hardness of your heart, because of the hardness of your heart, and sin does that. Hebrews 3.13 tells us that sin is deceitful, and he hardens our hearts. But how, right? And I believe that there is this element of self-deception, an element of forgetfulness, and an element of putting our priorities where they ought not be. Um... So uh, I want to read a, a, one of the verses that the lesson focuses on, uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30, which it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So I want to focus on one aspect. This has many applications. These three elements, self-deception, forgetfulness, and a wrong placement of priorities. You can apply that to many contexts. But this verse, I think, addresses all three of them. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This is speaking about priorities. And me as a husband, and it can be reversed, you know, between a husband focused on, on his wife and a wife focus on her husband. This is, you know, reversible. <laughs> um, scripture applies, applies to both genders. But in this context, we'll just go with how the, the, the Bible speaks it. It addresses women specifically. Um, this is a calling man, husbands, to put a priority where priority ought to be. Should I focus on beauty? Should I fo- focus on charm? Should those be my priorities? Or should a woman that fears the Lord? Sh- what, what am I praising? What do I praise? Um, have I forgotten? You no, know, I want to bring in a little bit of this humor that the lesson speaks of. It has a powerful question. You know, is there a bad use of humor or is it a good use of humor? And I want to give you a horrendous use of humor. I hope you would never use. I hope that if you ever use this, you will ask God to forgive you (laughs) because it's bad humor. Uh, Years ago, when I was in Pennsylvania, a friend of mine, her her parents were speaking in church one time and the husband mentioned, uh, you know, kind of tugging cheeks, saying, you know, my wife's turning 40 this year. And I was like, wow, congratulations. And he looked at the rest of the the young adults that were around him and said, so you know what that means, right? I'm gonna go and exchange her for two 20 year olds. And, wow, I hope you're not laughing. Uh, I wasn't laughing. I felt bad for his wife. Whoa. We, I don't think Christians ought to laugh at, at things like, you know, innuendos about adultery. Exchanging my wife. Why would he say that, right? Because of this. It, priorities that are completely off, off chart of the Christian radar. The charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. You know this person is self-deception. self-deceived. He could argue with me, and sometimes I've heard as a pastor things. You know, like she doesn't look as good as she used to. You know, she. I just don't find her. You know, appealing anymore. I don't. Whatever. Well, listen, my brother. Neither do you. <laughs> You've changed too. <laughs> don't don't deceive yourself. You don't look the same way you did on wedding day. We all age. Entropy is part of sin. and We all go through these processes of decay. And because your your wife or your husband turns 40, 50, or 60, or is not able to do things anymore, um, where are your priorities? Um, Are you allowing sin to deceive you and hardening your heart? Are you forgetting? Have you forgotten why you got married? Many couples are not able to answer that anymore in the midst of anger and frustrations. And it's not difficult for Satan to implant that thought at that moment of, this was a mistake, you need to get out of this. That is the milieu in which adulteries and ultimately divorces take place. And I'm not speaking, you know, there may be some exceptions to the rule, but in general, this is how it happens. This is the trajectory. These three elements of self-deception, forgetfulness, and priorities that are placed in the wrong uh, places. Um, you forget what you've been married. You know, you, you for, you. my wife and I have had this practice of pulling out our wedding album. We have it out in the living room, actually. We don't have it stashed in a closet somewhere or in the basement. We have it out there and it does me good to look at that day. I haven't always been, you know, the best husband. Um, there's been a lot of need of repenting and asking God to change me from the inside. But, you know, it's because I, I don't want to simply to stay together for the sake of staying together. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a blessing for my wife. And part of that is not forgetting why I married her. One of the things that attracted me the most about Deline was her commitment to the church. That's what I had been looking for, someone that was wholly given. You know, she was not a daughter of a pastor, but she was a daughter of a head elder, (laughs) which is very similar in the Caribbean and other countries. Um, So she grew up with church being the hub of her life and the investment of yourself and your career and your resources. I wanted that. I didn't want to ha- have a spouse that at every turn will always be asking, are you going to spend that again for the church or is another meeting at church? But rather, one that understood of our investment for ministry for the kingdom of God. And when I saw that in my wife, it reminds me, you know, she's attractive, she's beautiful. But it was her her character, her fear of the Lord, her commitment to Jesus Christ. That is what drew me to her, her love for prayer. and. Her, you know, not being embarrassed to take risk for God. One of the times that I went to visit her, I rented a very expensive car. Actually, I didn't rent it. The car that I had rented <laughs> had been rented out uh, for someone else, and so they, out of kindness, they upgraded me. And the only thing available was an Infinity. An infinity. I don't even know what it was. It has like a letter and a number Q something. It was huge. Had a sunroof. I was like, woo! Of course, you cannot impress a date with a rental rental car. <laughs> So I was just enjoying it but I'm thinking you know she knows I drive a Hyundai Accent, a far cry from an infinity uh, but she still wants to to see me Uh, but the kids at the church I went to visit visit her in Columbus, Ohio at that time I lived in Pennsylvania so when I arrived at the Columbus church all the guys all the youth that I had known from when I was church planting there they're like oh can I take a picture in front of this car (laughs) Um, I drove that distance not simply because my wife was beautiful but because of how she gave herself for the youth of that church. In the midst of doing her PhD at Ohio State and teaching classes and all the demands that that brought upon her, she never turned down opportunities to serve the church. That never became an excuse for her. That, oh, I am in school, I can't serve you, Lord. That attracted me tremendously to the lean. So, reminding yourself of these things, can stir and can re- break through the deception, break through this forgetfulness, this, this self-inflicted amnesia, and, you know, put our priorities where our priorities ought to be. You know, Jesus tells us, and he corrects all the, the wrong love songs that are out there, songs that imply things like, you know, um, there's an old group called the Righteous Brothers. You may not know who they are. Um, I'm not that old, though. <laughs> the reason I know of them is because a movie made them famous when I was younger. But they have a song entitled, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. That's, that's a big, fat lie. No one loses their love. Jesus tells us the truth. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, I want to see if you catch this. Jesus is speaking to the church and it's beautiful that in the context of church and Jesus, Jesus compares himself to a husband and the church to a wife. So the the context of marriage is very much in here. You can really easily transpose this into a literal marriage scenario. Listen to these words of Jesus. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have not lost, left your first love remember therefore where you have fallen repent and do the first works or else i will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent you know these uh, elements of self-deception forgetfulness and priorities didn't come about passively there are choices that we make on a day-to-day basis and to have stated or come to believe the lie that i somehow have lost love for my spouse is a lie of the enemy you have left you you, you are making choices and what the first words out of Jesus even before he says repent you know what he says to do remember remember remind yourself that I am the one that joined you together and what I joined together you should not be separating Let not man separate what God has joined together. You need to go back to the beginning of your journey and remind yourself of the many times that God intervened, how he led for you to be together with this individual and that today he is as committed to keeping your marriage together as the day in which you covenant to love your spouse, you know, whether rich or poor, sick, wrinkles, no hair, a lot of hair, white hairs. You made a covenant and the same God that was present that day he is present in your marriage right now. But we have to cooperate, right? And the first thing that Jesus calls us to do is to remember. Now, this is something that Jesus does not tell us to do, that again, all the goofy romantic movies out there and these love songs that are completely full of lies. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, um, I'm just trying to make a strong point. You're being lied to, Because most of us go the path of unfaithfulness and discontentment in our marriage because of this one thing. And Jesus doesn't even mention it here. As he's speaking about this relationship healing, Jesus doesn't even speak of, catch this, feelings. Jesus doesn't say, repent and have the first feelings you had when you got married. Jesus doesn't say, go back and try to provoke those emotions that used to be there. No, no, no. Jesus says, remember, repent and do, do the first works. Don't expect the first feelings without first doing the first works. Just do the things that you used to do. The feelings will come in time, but you've made choices that have affected your feelings, but now you can make choices that can restore those feelings, that can bring back memories and break through the deceptions that somehow this person is not the person God wants to bless your life through and that you become a blessing for her. Remember, repent and do. It's not difficult, it takes choice. And today, I don't know where your marriage may be. I don't know if the enemy has been astute and intense in convincing you that you ought to walk out from this relationship. But Jesus tells you remember Remember I was there at the very beginning of this relationship and I am just as committed then as I am now. Trust me, trust me, don't trust your feelings, just trust me. Spend time remembering, pull out that wedding album. Look at those videos from a long ago and repent of the choices you've been making that has been leading you to leave your love behind and just do. What can you do today that will provoke and demonstrate you're committed? Jesus is by your side. His Spirit will empower you and give you creative wisdom to do those things that you used to do at first. The feelings will come, but you have to do this by faith. So let's continue exploring how we can cooperate with God in keeping our marriages together and we're going to continue, we're going to have just this segment, just one more and the podcast will conclude. Uh, for this segment, I want to combine Tuesday and Wednesday together. You know, we have this element that marriage is challenging in and of itself and then you add into that mix children <laughs> and you can get really fun. <laughs> the stressors just go exponentially, right? Um, you, you add layers in many aspects of your life. You know, having children put stressors, demands on your resources. Your resources of money, your resources of time for sure, your resources of emotions. You know, this is one of those things in which children can really test and cause you to live by faith and not by feeling. <laughs> um, I remember Deline and I, as Gianna got older, before we had Anaya, we had a hard time finding time for ourselves, for us to connect, for us to be able to spend time with each other, not just catching up on bills and what are we gonna do tomorrow, but just each other. And now as as I've repented of many of my past mistakes and wrong approaches to marriage, I'm really looking forward to those moments with my wife more than ever. And I'm realizing that having now a two-year-old repeats some of those same, same things in the past, thankfully the sisters can sometimes play with each other, but it, either way, it does put a demand on your time, your resources, your energies, your emotional uh, resources. So one of the things that we've discovered, uh, and that we're learning as well, is discipline. The way we correct and discipline our children can sometimes make it easier for us to find time, those pockets of time for each other, as we empower our children, as we cho- choose you know, at their level to begin to guide them into the path of, Helping be members of the home with chores and things like that. Of course, as a two-year-old, there's not that much you can do But you can teach obedience patience those kind of things But um, we don't have time and the lesson doesn't spend much time on this. Um, I think it does later on Um, But for now just two words two small words uh, discipline and punishment Those two words sometimes though. We know they're different in our experience. Sometimes they can get confused and Discipline needs to be always attached with this in mind. It is a, a something that requires a long-term commitment, a long-term of time commitment, meaning discipline does not expect immediate results. It, it expects results, but discipline knows that you will not achieve everything you, you wish or hoped for this, this time, at least not in, in every aspect. But discipline doesn't focus on the moment right now. Discipline looks for the long haul. Discipline looks beyond this week, beyond next month, beyond next year. Uh, punishment does. Punishment is short term. Punishment is about correcting what what is before me and getting my kids out of my hair. You know, I just want the, the yelling to stop. I, I just want them to do their homework. I just want them to stop fighting. Well, punishment will bring immediate results of what we want but the negative long-term benefits will be extremely poor if any at all so as one of these uh, podcasts that i'm listening to in leadership says uh, you have to choose your pain you have to choose your pain and discipline requires some discomfort definitely does but as i'm seeing i saw my, how my wife would choose to consistently discipline Gianna. Um, i was ready there to you know pull out the chancleta which is the spanish slang or not slang but the spanish word for the flip-flop which, you know, is just an instrument of punishment. <laughs> uh, we jokingly call it the instrument of righteousness, but it's not. It's an instrument of punishment that brings immediate results. But immediate results do not always equate to what Christians are, ought to invest themselves in, which is, in, in two words, character development. That's the long-term commitment that I was referring to early, earlier. And that's what discipline focuses on shaping, molding the character of our children beyond an immediate response of behavior that is done without e- e- engaging the reason and intellect at their level, at each level. And I'm amazed at the brain that my, that God has given my wife. And I've seen her investment in Gianna and I see how Gianna thinks things through now and begins, is beginning to make choices on her own, which is beautiful. So for me, I, I'm watching my wife and I'm realizing this is way better that the, the immediate results, the chancleta, you know, and in your culture, if you're, well, you mean America, you know, the belt, you take out the belt. Um, those may have immediate results, but the the long-term, you know, you cannot just always use corporate punishment and expect character development. God certainly doesn't do it like like that, and he becomes the, the ultimate model for us. Um, for me, um, when I was a bachelor, uh, I... I used to, I remember giving parents advice and I hope that they've, the Lord and His Holy Spirit has just completely given them amnesia, immediate amnesia as soon as I would leave their homes because the advice was horrible. As a bachelor, I was all about, you know, the immediate results, just personal comfort. When I have children, I want to have children that will not, that will act as if they, I don't have children. I want, to, I want them to disturb as least as possible my life, my, my space, my possessions. <laughs> you shouldn't have children if that's what you want, right? Because that's not going to happen. Your children will invade every nook and cranny of your life. And to try to create those boundaries or expectations, you'll resent your kids. Children are not pets. I'm going to say it again, children are not pets. We're not seeking to train them to potty train. We're not seeking them so that they can just sleep through the night. That's not the goal of parenting. You know, and again, I, I say that with with deep conviction that you have to search your own heart as to why you're doing what you're doing with your children. Because if you're choosing the path of discipline, you may not get what you want right away. You may not get what you want or maybe you shouldn't want those things. Right? How should I expect my one-year-old to sleep through the entire night? Maybe my one-year-old is different. You know, just because a book tells you these are the steps so that the baby can sleep through the night within the next six months, I, I remember having a book like that and I didn't read it. And I'm not—I not re- I didn't say I'm not reading it because the book is wrong, but the Holy Spirit convicted me that my motives were wrong. I wanted—I wanted my space, my comfort. I wanted my wife <laughs> back with me, and that's all self-centered. And if there's one experience that will evoke and demand from you a self-sacrificing attitude consistently is having children. And because it is more than just about your comfort level, mom or dad, it's about their character development. So both parents now need to, when both parents are are game in this, they're they're both focused on this. The the stressors that children bring into marriage diminishes tremendously. When both parents have this in mind, what is our goal? Our goal is not immediate comfort, immediate, you know, we will get to spend our money how we want it before we had kids. Um, That's not how the couple approaches having children. Rather, they look at it like Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 23 highlight. It mentions about one father. His name was Enoch, and he had his son Methuselah when he was 65 years old. And the Bible says that after he had Methuselah, Enoch walked with god having a child instead of bringing stressors that brought a whole, whole bunch of chaos having a child brought a more intimate walk with the lord for both for for both uh, the husband and the wife of course it is implied that if enoch walked with god his wife did too um, having a child opened their eyes to a totally different dimension of the love of god his mercy and compassion like never before And greater intimacy with God in turn yields greater intimacy between the two spouses. You begin to realize that God works in His providence to provide those pockets of times between the husband and the wife, and that those pockets of time become tremendously intimate. Not simply because there's an opportunity for physical intimacy to be experienced, but because the whole time spiritual intimacy has governed the, the atmosphere of the home. You know, physical intimacy is an expression it, it very seldom can create intimacy. Sexual intimacy is an expression of something that's already there, and your connection with the Lord for the sake of your children will bring that strong intimacy of union and focus. You're both with this desire to see your children in heaven, to see your children become instruments of righteousness for the kingdom of God, and that compels and it diminishes a lot of the annoyances and burdens that that accompany with being parent. It doesn't mean that sometimes you're not pulling your hair, but. <laughs> this is a different feel and if you, if you've had this experience you know what I'm talking about in that you know you're not parenting alone you're not you you know that the grace of God is with you that his holy spirit is cooperating with you as you're trying to reach not simply the behaviors but the root problem of your child you have given birth to an individual that sin controls his thoughts and feelings and you as a parent are trying to use not force but love to mold and shape and and redirect this little being that has no inhibitions all his self selfishness will be out in the open all of his pride and egocentrism will be out in the open and you with love will try to affect and reshape that by your love you know um, parents (laughs) will daily seek to trust in the Lord with all their hearts parents that have this at the, the center will not lean on their own understanding but in all our ways We're going to acknowledge the Lord with the confidence that He will direct our paths. That's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, one of my favorite promises that I'm learning to apply as a parent in the midst of my my two-year-old having a tantrum. Instead of trying to figure out how can I get her to do what I want her to do, I'm praying at that moment. That takes discipline. That takes focus. That takes intentionality. That takes practice. I don't always remember, but when I do, it's different. As I acknowledge the Lord, as I bring him into this experience consciously uh i feel the 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 direction of god don't focus on this invest on that wait a little bit longer let her process what you're saying to her and in that process of interaction i see god and i'm praying for my daughter heavenly father there's a passage in the bible in ephesians 6 12 that says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places doesn't mean that my daughter is demon possessed but she can certainly be influenced and with her sinful nature it doesn't take much for the adversary to provoke rebellion misunderstanding and and defiance disobedience deceptions All those things are pre-programmed and built in into my little girls, but I have the Holy Spirit. I have God, the same God that is for my marriage is the same God that is for me and my children so that I can walk with God because I had my children. You know, the Bible says that after Enoch begot Methuselah, he walked with God. There was an exp- this experience brought a brand new level of intimacy with the Lord that did not exist prior to that and not every parent has this because many other people were having kids at this time but it mentions that Enoch walked closer to God he allowed this experience to bring him closer to the Lord and in turn I am I am certain closer to his spouse our efforts must be united to a power a strength a wisdom outside of ourselves that's the conviction that both parents need to have, to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and let us not lean on our own understanding or the way things were done in my house. Chances are maybe those things were not uh, biblical, are not will not yield the results that the Bible points us to. That power, that strength, that wisdom is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that these attributes of God come with an added bonus, joy. The power and strength and the wisdom that comes from Christ comes with joy. In Psalms 21 verse 1, it says that the king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord. The strength of God comes with joy. The the power of God comes with joy and so does his wisdom. And this joy allows us to see reasons to laugh. Listen, having kids is a hilarious uh, hoot. You, You find a lot of things that they do that make you laugh. But sometimes there are things that sh- would have normally annoyed you and frustrated you and make you burst, you know, in anger. But the Holy Spirit can overturn how you see this, these uh, experiences and overturn and overrule your natural tendencies and overturn them into joys and reasons to laugh. Your children need to see that, that you can laugh at yourself, that you can laugh at accidents. You know, I, wasn't, I didn't realize how grumpy I was until I, I got married one time my wife and I were making lasagna and the spatula you know fell off and splattered some on me and all over the place and I got so upset but my wife was laughing which didn't help me <laughs> I'm like you shouldn't be laughing at this this is not funny and I got angrier and my wife is like why are you so angry how is your anger helping you know take away the salt stains can you just laugh at it because it was funny <laughs> and laughter can do that and that can come as the presence of God is in your home. God created laughter, and he wants it to be in our homes on a daily basis, and our children can be the foremost reasons as to why we laugh. Now we can laugh at life's annoyances because we are learning to trust in God's providence and faithfulness. Adopting this view of parenting takes a big burden off of our backs. It decreases the stressors. I mean, laughter is therapeutic at many levels. It gives us perspective, of present challenges and places them in light of a much long-term broader goal, a goal in which you're not alone, a goal in which God is walking with you step by step on a daily basis. Mom, God sees you as you're trying to figure out how to reach your daughter's heart. Dad, God sees you as he's trying to be the best that possible for your child and he is on your side He will take our mistakes and overrule them and give us wisdom to learn from them so that we can do better today. Just like in our marriages, the same God that was there on our wedding day, on the day that we said, I do. He was there the day you held your baby for the first time. And He will be there every step of the way, empowering you with His strength and His wisdom to make you the parent you desire to be. One last thought as we conclude this episode. It will be a short one. Uh, it comes from the lesson, actually. And it just, it just convicted me. It's beautiful. It's um, from Mondays. Uh, that's all we're going to focusing on at this last one. Just Monday's lesson. It says, actually Friday too. It says, in the end, the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. His faithfulness and continuing affection for her. Or the lack of these have a telling effect upon children's well-being, even into adulthood. And how to do this, right? Eyes got to love her more. We talked about, you know, the, the remember, repent, and do. But there's one more thing in our busy culture that I want to bring from Friday's lesson. It's, it's from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, volume, volume 3, page 1157. And it says this, <clears throat> Christian, and in this case, Christian fathers, should be careful that they keep their heart with all diligence. They should cultivate a love for meditation and cherish a spirit of devotion. Many fathers seem to begrudge moments spent in meditation and the searching of the scriptures and prayer, as though the time thus occupied was lost, was a loss of time, a waste of time. I wish you could all view these things in the light God would have you, for you would then make the kingdom of heaven of the first importance. To keep your heart in heaven will give you vigor to all your graces and put life into all your duties. To discipline the mind to dwell upon heavenly things will put life and earnestness into all your endeavors. We are dwarfs in spiritual attainments when we think it a loss to spend time in prayer and meditation. So as we conclude, I want you to consider what do you consider the best investment of your time as a husband and wife, as a mother and father? Reading books about parenting is important, but sometimes we don't have time for it. But time for prayer, time for meditation on the Lord, time for meditation on that God that tells you, remember, I was there that day, You said I do. I was there that day the baby was in your arms. I was there the day you saw the sonogram and you wept. All your dreams and desires came true. I am still with you. It is of most importance that on a daily basis, you take time to pause. It is the best investment you can make. Wake up before your kids do, (laughs) because once they do, there's very little time for meditation. There's very little time for intimate prayer with the Lord. But you need that. I need that. We need that. And as we do this, the strength will come. The wisdom will be there. And the power to press on for today will be granted. Because we are connected to the living vine. We are connected to the source of eternal love. And the parent you desire to be, day by day, you will see the Lord making that person, that mother, that father, that husband, that wife, a living reality, and in the end, you will say, thank you. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your grace. I sincerely hope you received a special blessing from today's episode on devotional. I pray it has inspired you to turn the study of God's word into a daily habit, as well as using the study tool of our Sabbath school lesson. If you haven't yet subscribed on iTunes or whichever platform you're listening, would you please do so now? This way, you will be notified each time I publish a new episode. It would also mean a lot to me if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast you doing this will help others discover the spiritual resource i would really appreciate this i would love for you to connect with me through my facebook page devotional podcast there's a link in the show's description that will take you there i will regularly post additional resources there as well it would be so good to hear what you like and what i could do to make this podcast a bigger blessing for you lastly Would you consider making a monthly 99 cent contribution to this podcast? It would help offset the long-term cost of producing each episode. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to our next time together in the next episode of Devotional. Until then, this is Pastor Ariel inviting you to devote all you are and all you have to our Lord Jesus Christ.